Hello and welcome to episode 14 of Magic and the Other Guy. And you join Kevin and myself outside my place down on Lake Wiley in Charlotte, North Carolina on a particularly chilly and quite blustery day to the extent, Kevin, that we've had to be creative and come up with a little windsock device uh, for the mic and we've put a pair of woolly socks over it. I think the literal term of windsock just came into play. <laughs> But, but it seems to be getting the job done. It, so. does, it does seem to be working. Well, we'll see as the recording goes on. So, Kevin, you always start proceedings off by coming up with a topic of conversation. So kick us off. What, we, what are we doing today? Well, last week, uh, as you know, we spent a good bit of time in the kitchen. Right. And on your way out of your kitchen, headed towards your den, if you look to the left, you have a cuckoo clock. Yes. Next to said cuckoo clock is a picture of someone that was important to you back in the day. Yes. I think that that leader. I think you know what our topic is going to be now. Oh, okay. I know you're talking about my mum's dog, really, Heidi. Exactly. Yes, and Heidi was a rescue dog that um, that adopted us back in the uh, early uh, '80s when we moved from the manor house to the town of Loughborough, and we'd always had dogs uh, with us for all my life. I can always remember dogs being around, and uh, so we had um, we had a corgi and a dachshund. And the Dachshund's name, back at the manor I'm talking back as a kid, uh, and the Dachshund's name uh, uh, was Heidi, and the Corgi was called Sheba, but no one ever used to refer to Sheba as Sheba. Sheba was always Corgi, so the Corgi dog was always called Corgi, and uh, Heidi was Heidi. So um, when we moved to Loughborough, Mum wanted a rescue dog, and I said, yeah, that'd be a great idea, but we're kind of wondering, you know, what we should what we should call her, what name uh -huh. to use. Our mum said, well, uh, she's black, so uh, the other black dog we had was called Heidi, so Heidi, okay. <laughs> that Version 2.0, here That's, we go. <laughs> that was it, the name stuck, yeah. Yeah, how about you? Ah, uh, well, our first one actually, well, I, I say, it's hard to say I had this dog because I think the dog had me because right. she was around years before I came along which was uh, our dog, our beagle, Skippy. Okay. Which I mentioned way back in episode one. Yeah. The one that was <laughs> tortured by the fireworks around uh, 4th of July. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the story goes that when they brought me home from the hospital, they had to put my carrier down on the ground and, and sniff Skippy being a beagle and you know, a hound had to sniff me from head to toe and make sure I was okay. Yeah, and, get used to you. Yeah, yep, and yeah, pretty yeah. much I uh, made his, made his uh, approval and yeah. was allowed to stay. So I grew up with uh, Skippy up until about uh, age 11. He was, he was the- So he was our, best our, friends. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, uh, he, he had uh, his own little routine. He, he stayed in, uh, we had a, a finished basement area and stuff like that, and that was his stomping ground. And then uh, being a hound, you couldn't leave him outside because he got on a, if he got on a scent, he would be, be gone. gone yeah. So yeah. we always had to stake him out during the day and he'd have some time outside and stuff like that. And he always had one, one time a year, he was allowed upstairs and that was Christmas day when he was allowed to go, and I, I can't figure out how a dog knows this, he could find his toy under all that wrapped stuff in the, in the pile of presents. It's a beagle. I, yeah. But how do you pick out a brand new neoprene or whatever toy that thing was, squeaky, and, but he could find it, so he would, he would find his, his uh, present and tear it up and get it out and get going with it. Well, I, yeah, I mean, I love dogs. I haven't got a dog now, and I, I've always, since I've 
become a citizen of the States and living down here on the lake, I've, I've said to you, you know, I'd love to have a dog, but um, work commitments and travel mean that it simply wouldn't be fair to the dog to have a dog and then constantly be on the road. So I can't do that. But now life is beginning to settle down more and I'm spending more time here at the lake. Um, I would love a dog, but um, it would certainly be a rescue dog. Uh, I think they make great companions and I have Funny enough, thinking about my mum's dog, uh, my mum always used to refer to Heidi, the second dog, as my dog. Like, what are you going to do with your dog? Your your dog needs, you know, uh -huh. but it was really mum, <laughs> really mum's dog. But you know, you know how that goes. But I have a letter with me here from my chief mechanic, Nigel Stepney, from Benetton, uh, which was the letter that I received from him offering me the position. Benetton. So I wanted to keep it for sentimental reasons, obviously. And that letter is perforated with a thousand teeth marks of Heidi biting the letter when it arrived through the letterbox. And she had this remarkable, she was a wonderful house dog. She never made a mess. She was great with kids. She never, you know, she never bit anybody. She never barked. There was never any sort of aggression. She was wonderful. Uh, loved mum. But the one little routine that she had was every morning, she would climb to the top of the stairs, which were just inside the front door, and wait for the postman to arrive on the top step. On the top step of the internal stairs, I mean. In England, the letters were always delivered through the front door. And as soon as the postman arrived and started to put the letters through the door, I mean, she would jump from the top step to the bottom, just like a paratrooper jumping out of a plane, you know. Bounding. <laughs> that's, that's right. From the top step right down to the bottom in one movement. And uh, she would bite those letters as they come through the door. And I remember taking Nigel's, Nigel Stepney's letter from her, which I knew was a Benetton letter because it had the Benetton crest. I said, Heidi, please not this one. <laughs> please let me read it first. And uh, yeah, so I still have it to this day. So it's great because our poor old Nigel is no longer with us. And um, uh, Heidi is no longer with us. But to have that little souvenir of, of Benetton and Nigel and Heidi all together, I, I love that letter. Very good, very yeah, good. Yeah. After after Skippy, we had, we had moved to Florida, and Mom was kind of of the you know Dad had retired, and and they were you know heading hopefully into a quieter life and stuff like that. And Mom just did not want to take on another responsibility or something to feed, as she would say. Right. And uh, lo and behold, uh, they got talked into from a friend of mine uh, talked into bringing me a cat or a kitten, and so we had a, a cat named Tabby for for beginning then. Well, this cat didn't want to play, didn't want to be held. Didn't want to do a whole lot of nothing. <laughs> well, that's cats for you, isn't it? <laughs> well, but this one, I tell you. Now, she did have her, her, her routine, too. She, she would stay in, she wasn't an outside cat, but mom didn't let her have free roam of the house, either. She would actually live in the garage and be able to go out on the, uh, the screened-in porch right. at will. So that was her daily routine. And at night, she would be allowed in for evening time while mom and dad were watching primetime TV or reading the paper or hanging out. And uh, what she would do, we would, you would always hear uh, this noise, and Tabby was ready to come in. And we always, Dad always thought he knew what the noise was, but I'm like, it does not sound like that. Right. So down in Florida, not all Florida houses, but this one was fairly older, and it had one of those doors that had the, the glass, the frosted glass slat windows. Yes. That went almost tip, tip, to, tip to bottom. Yes. And you'd crank them. Well that door had that so we always thought that she was like scraping that bottom slat and i'm like again it does not sound like that sound well one day dad came around the corner and she didn't hear him 
and he came up behind her, that cat had her hind foot on the bottom rung of that thing and had her paws on top of the doorknob and was shaking it vigorously. Wow. So, because you know the to sound. Open the door. Yeah, you know yeah. the sound when you open a doorknob yeah. and you release it and it goes back? Yeah. That's the sound I kept hearing. Yeah, the slightly sort of spring-like spring, trigger. Springs yeah. it back. Yeah. So that was that cat had, had seen <laughs> people go in using a knob and equated knob equals entrance. Yeah. And that's what she did. And lo and behold, somebody would come and let her in, so it worked. She, she had a little, uh, little cunning to her on that one. That, that, the, the remarkable intelligence that cats and dogs display. But um, I mean, I know it's a subject that's been debated throughout history. That cats and dogs are so are obviously so different, but cats just seem to tolerate their owners. Yes, right. You know, like eh, the owners are there for, mainly for their comfort <laughs> and uh, right. and need, needs needs providing. <laughs> but your description there, where you know, didn't want to be held and didn't want to be patted and didn't want to be stroked. I mean, I've, we all see so many cats like that. They just. It's just not in their nature, is it? Right? Yeah. Just take care of me. I will allow you to feed me, and I'll allow you to take care of me and give me somewhere warm to sleep. But uh, you know, let's not get too close. We're not on that sort of relationship, really. Yeah. Well, she would <laughs> she would come in on that evening, and, and she'd crawl up on mom's lap and do a couple of circles, do a couple of kneads, yes. you know, on her leg. Yeah. And then mom would be like, "Enough," and she'd flop down, and then she'd just be there, getting warm for the rest of the evening until it was time to go to bed, and she was put back in her her outside spot. But uh, she did that kind of lifestyle for many years until they moved to, back to Tennessee. And then she just kind of had, you know, more run of the house. Yeah. But kind of had her routine and didn't like to be, you know, changed up in that in any way. That, um, that remarkable intelligence with the doorknob, for example, and you see a lot of examples of that. Cats trying to, they know how to open cupboard doors and they, you know, get in and out of places. And this wonderful memory of where they are in the world, that idea of the geographical location. We had a cat that was called Dinky, a little ginger cat, that we had at the manor for years. And when we left the manor and moved to Loughborough Town, dear old Dinky must have been 13 or 14 at the time. And of course, he'd spent his entire life in this manor house just walking around the grounds and the woods and being on his own. Mm -hmm. And when we moved to Loughborough, we were both thinking, my mum and I were both thinking, you know, I wonder whether or not Dinky's going to get used to this idea of being in a sort of regular sized house you know with traffic on the road yeah totally different experience well honestly kevin within a week dinky had disappeared and we're both thinking the worst like oh goodness gracious probably been run over and you know we're all very sad and about a month passed and we would both resign ourselves to the fact that dear old dinky had gone was never coming back well I was on the phone talking to a friend in the hallway and sure enough there was a little sort of rap at the door you know with a paw sort of scratching at the door and he was back. Yeah. I don't know where he'd been for a month but he found his way back again. It was quite remarkable. So where have you been for the last month? You know, well, you, put month. Me, you put me in a new neighborhood I got to go check everything out come back and give you a full report and here yeah. I am. Remarkable yeah remarkable but very loyal cats and dogs are very loyal. Now how do you stand on this um, this debate of you are either a cat person or a dog person. Uh, I think definitely can be arguments on either side. I think you know some people are very loyalistic to, to one side or the other, mm. and they're they're very much that way. Yeah, they, but there's a few households you'll find that'll have both. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah. I think there's something in people's personalities that you know can go extrovert introvert. I think that's a good argument on either way. You yeah. Know? Again, casting my mind back to childhood in in the manner 
we had cats and dogs and they both got on fine with each other. Well, it's not, well, yeah, they did. I mean, it wasn't really a matter of tolerating each other. They kind of did look out for oh, one and especially another. if they were young together. Yeah. And they grew up together. They yeah. don't know any difference. They just know it as their friend, you know, and they do what they do, you know. Yes, I mean, I've got memories of both the dogs, Corgi and Heidi and Dinky. They would all flop down in front of the TV on the on the hearth rug in front of the fire together and yeah. join in what was happening with the family. And and when mum and dad would, would go for a walk around the manor, which sounds very sounds very grand, but, you know, that's a quirky, quirky childhood I had, they would wander off in the afternoon, late afternoon, after dinner or pre-dinner, take a walk around the gardens and, you know, just for a couple of miles, um, Dear old Dinky, she'd 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 go for a walk with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which to me sounds very unusual for a yeah, cat to a, do. Yeah, that is kind but, of unusual thing. Yeah, but, but um, they're just like people. Everyone of them has a different personality and such like that too. So. Yeah, we I, I all this talk about cats didn't maybe even remember. I'd forgotten the ones kind of we, we had in college. I remember one time there was uh, three of us guys living in a house off campus. You know, kind of ways off. And I remember I came home one day. And one of the roommates first thing he said to me is, "Don't be mad." And I was like, don't be mad about what? That's right. <laughs> well, he yeah. goes and opens up one of the doors, and there's these two black kittens. Oh, wow. A male and a female, brother and sister. Okay. That He had been out, and they needed a home. And next thing I know, here we got these two cats at the house. But uh, we named them Sid and Nancy. And... Um, they you know kind of grew you know of course you know while we were there and grew pretty fast but uh, yeah so were Sid, they were they Sid and Nancy from Sid Vicious and Nancy that's Spongy. where the names came Is from right? exactly <laughs> yeah. Sid was not the brightest bulb in the in the pack okay. but Nancy was smart as a whip yeah that cat we would take you know you'd have like a a little liter you know, liter liter Coke drink or something like that and the cap you could take that show it to her and fling it down the stairs I mean to where you know you neither, none of us could see it right that cat would dart. Go get it, bring it back, and drop it right in your hand. So we had a we had a cat that played fetch. Yeah, I mean that's an absolute sort of doggy game, isn't it? Yeah, not a yeah. cat. Not Sid would looked game. at you like, huh? Yeah. But, um, <laughs> Why would I do that? Yeah. <laughs> that's right. What's in it for me if I do that? Yeah. So you have, you know, there's some some that we had bouncing around college. You'd end up with a cat or a roommate with a cat or something like that. But uh, I didn't have another dog until later. It was part of my career. I was a couple of years into my career, and I, I had my own townhome I'd bought. And I had a roommate, uh, kind of one of the, actually the same roommate that brought home Sid and Nancy years prior or whatever. But um, I uh, was, you know, thinking about getting a dog. Well, one of the guys that I worked with, his family had always had corgis. So back to the corgi thing. Yeah. And they'd had a, they were just having, one was kind of a little too rambunctious with the smaller one. So they were trying to find the bigger one a home. And I ended up being that home. Well... It wasn't too many months before I, I moved with a job change. Well, that roommate I had, he worked at the uh, Hyatt Regency Hotel in early morning room service. Oh, okay. So he would always be up at like four something in the morning getting ready. Well, he would take PK, the corgi, he would take him out for walks anyway. And he was always constantly, when he was at Target or something, he'd buy him a toy or something. Yeah. And they really bonded. So I was, again, it only been a couple of months really before I got this job change. And I had to leave, and I was like, there's just no way that I could take PK away from Fernando and them not, you know, yes. separate. So I just said, sure. you know, I said, he's now yours. <laughs> so, <laughs> and he, that. of course, lived with him for many, many years. Yeah. So that was my first foray into the corgi world. Yes, they're, they're adorable dogs. But I think really on the whole, 
if you're if you spend sufficient time with i mean i i've spent more time with dogs than cats but don't take this the wrong way i'm nothing against cats but i mean the more you again you become so attached to dogs because you you understand their personalities and like you say they all have different personalities my neighbors here down at the lake have two dogs and, and one of them gus a labrador he'll come down here and and play around um and come up and say hello, sniff around the garden, and come up and say hello, and loves to get into the lake and swim around. The other dog doesn't want anything to do with that. Uh-huh. Yeah, just, you know, just yeah. Some... Labs are very much water dogs, most yeah. of them. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And you maybe think now, thinking about childhood and pets. I was um, again as a as a young chap walking around the woods of of the manor house, and. I couldn't quite believe my eyes. It was nearly twilight one afternoon, late afternoon. I guess I would have been about 10 or 11. And I thought I saw a rabbit hop along in front of me, but a, a, you know, a black and white rabbit, not a sort of brown yeah. wild rabbit, like a domesticated rabbit. You, yeah. know, and I thought, you, on, don't, like, you don't see those yeah, pelts so, in, the, uh, in the wild <laughs> sorry, very often. Hang on, that can't be right. And um, so I sort of went walking after this what I thought was going to be so dark I was kind of thinking did I see that did I not see that and sure enough there was a black and white rabbit hopping along not very fast and I thought this is unusual I tried to get hold of the rabbit but it was just just that fast that I couldn't get a hold of it couldn't yeah. catch him but he was fast you know but there's clearly some something oh, this is a domesticated yeah, rabbit and he let you get, you get him at some get, point get yeah, so yeah. close and yeah. I, 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 I dashed back to home and said to Dad, Dad, I think there's a domesticated rabbit in the wood. Of course, Dad, be like, what? <laughs> it's can't be true. What are you talking about? I said, no, please, come and have a look. Come and have a look. I'm sure that's the case. So sure enough, there was. And we, we eventually managed to pick him up and bring him back. And I can only assume that... Um, Somebody had got bored or tired or was moving away and moving hmm. home with the rabbit. And so I'd put the rabbit over the wall into the manor house grounds. And I thought, well, give the, give the rabbit best chance possible of survival yeah. and uh, hmm. let him go. But, uh, yeah, so we had him. We had, we had him as a pet rabbit for a number of years. <laughs> so odd, an odd event, but there we are, yeah. Yeah, we certainly never planned on having a rabbit, but that's how we had the rabbit. Heidi Corgi and the rabbit. Yes, and Dinky the cat. And Dinky, oh yeah, Dinky <laughs> the cat. And, and Dinky well, did the rabbit have a name? I have a feeling we may have called the rabbit Jimmy Osmond. Like I, you do. I <laughs> cannot explain why. <laughs> I cannot explain why. Whether that was whether that was through mum or I don't think it would have been dad and. You know, I I was no particular great fan of the Osmonds, but I do believe the rabbit was called Jimmy Osmond. Okay. I, I can't give an explanation for that. Yeah. One of life's greatest mysteries. There you go. <laughs> no, yeah. Yeah. Well, so where are you now with, with pets in your life? Uh, we actually have a rescue, um, Molly. Right. And Molly, we we, we got, we, we my, when I met my wife, uh, oh gosh, it's been 11 years ago when I met her. And um, she already, she had two rescue dogs at the time. Well, they, they, they passed on, and it went about a year, you know, of, of a gap of not having one, and she always had a dog, and it was kind of, you know, it was kind of missing something. Right. So, and our, our daughter was, say, gosh, let's see, that was about four years ago. So she was about three at the time, and we started, you know, looking for, for a new companion to have at the house. Okay. So I said, well, a Labrador, like we said, is a great all-around dog, Let's get something Labrador or whatever. So we looked on these rescue things, and we found one of the local ones here in Charlotte. And he said, you know, Labrador mix, and you know, 
looked, looked like a lab plus other things, you know, but we went and uh, checked her out and she was very, very sweet and very, hum you know, tim timid or she was still kind of young, but very quiet and very, very nice. So, you know, we said this, is, this will work out well. So we brought her home and uh, for at first I thought this dog just doesn't bark. I mean, she might be a dog that just never, Some never hardly, bark. hardly yeah, barks. Right. Some never do. You know, and so I was like, all right, we got a quiet dog. Well, then two weeks later, uh, somebody that was uh, kind of helping out with our, our daughter kind of came around the corner and just startled her. You know, she didn't see her coming. All of a sudden, Murph! So I was like, oh, she does have vocal cords. <laughs> there you go. So uh, from then on, she's been a normal, occasionally barking dog, occasionally do much, but they all do. But well, what we did for, for fun one time is, uh, I think my wife got this for me. It was one of those DNA tests. Okay. So we did the DNA test. Right. So this... Uh, we got the results back, and this Labrador we picked out doesn't have one single ounce of Labrador in her at all. <laughs> Is that right? So yeah. what she did come back with, which she was a good mix of stuff, but she's 25% German short-haired pointer. Okay. And now that we re and then we researched that, and we could see the the head structure and the body yeah. structure, and we're like, okay, now that makes sense. Right. They're they have a tendency to have brown heads, and they'll have kind of that gray speckled body. Yes. Well, through yeah. the other breeds that she's in, she doesn't have any of the speckling, but she's definitely got the head shape and the kind of like a bird dog, kind of that you yeah. know, hunting hunting breed look. But she's pretty much all all dark brown. Really, in the sunlight, she's gorgeous. She gets kind of a coppery sheen. Oh, wow, she's a real beautiful. pretty little dog mm. and and very slender and uh, has a little bit of that tuxedo white on her, on her chest, but she's turned out to be a really really good family dog. She'll jump right in the mix if you're playing or, or whatever, but yeah. if it's time to chill, she'll just lay on her bed or by, likes to lay by you. you know? yes. On the couch, she's going to curl up the closest spot, and with a blanket, we'll let her hop up on the couch a little bit some and stuff like that, but she she took over uh, my daughter's beanbag. That's now her bed, and she adopted that as her bed in the <laughs> in the room, so that's where she sleeps at night. I will have that beanbag. Thank I you, have Randy. determined the beanbag is mine, and that's what she's claimed. Yeah. Yeah, I'm always very impressed with how, I mean, we all know dogs are territorial, I get that, but I'm always very impressed how dogs seem so aware of exactly where a particular property, that house property ends and the neighbors begins, mm -hmm. right? I mean, they just seem so aware within, within sort of six feet of, well, that's not my land over there, I live here. And, that, and how do dogs know that? I mean, it's to such, to such precise limits. But like down here on the lake, there are very few fences and again, very occasionally, the neighbor's dogs will come down here, not that often, but you get a great sense when I walk up to the mailbox, for example, that the neighbor's dogs know exactly where their property line is and they won't move beyond that. Yeah, it is a pretty uncanny uh, ability they can, they can pick yeah. up on. We yeah. had one, uh, well, it wasn't ours, but uh, when I worked over, I worked at a exotic car thing, and it was next to the mechanic shop that we both know. Their their old location, they had a pretty much a shop dog, Bentley. Okay. And Bentley, because there was the front gate that would be closed at night for security, but that thing was wide open during the regular day. But yeah. Bentley would walk around the property and come down and see me, and just anywhere on that property he would go, but he'd never go out that front front gate ever. It's extraordinary. He's always seeing the customers come and go and greeting them and all that, but he never once went out that I know of. One of my neighbor's dogs up the road here, wonderful dog called um, Cooper, a little bit of Alsatian in him. <clears throat> and um, when I first moved down here, Cooper didn't want anything to do with me and was barking because I was unfamiliar. Uh, uh, and I said to my neighbor, you know, your dog, he's not aggressive in any way, I says, but I don't think he, he likes me. 
And uh, my neighbor said, just give it some time. He's just got to get used to you, you know, just, and, and now we've got to the point where Cooper, I walk up to the mailboxes and Cooper just like lifts his nose. I'd be like, what's up? You know, yeah. I'm, going, I'm okay. I, I acknowledge I, you. That's right. <laughs> I've been, ex I've been accepted now. Yeah. Cooper just now doesn't really want anything to do with me just because he's bored with me, you know? Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. Times have changed. Well, another one that can't, uh, story that kind of came along this was gosh it's been right at about gosh almost 20 years ago now uh my mom had passed so dad was living alone and back in tennessee i was living in florida and it, it, this hit me in in a nap i was i was laying on the couch crashed on a saturday afternoon or something like that yeah. and i almost just bolted upright and said a dog dad needs a dog there you go yeah and it just yeah. hit me as an epiphany yeah and i said that's perfect. It'll give him some, you know, companionship. Yeah. Literally someone to talk to. A reason to get up and do things. Exactly. You know? Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, really, so yeah. I, I called my sister and she's like, it's a good idea. But she said, you know how dad is. And this is all on you. And I said, <laughs> all right. <laughs> Thank well, you. <laughs> it was heading. It was heading. It was fall because I know it was before Thanksgiving. So I started kind of thinking about it and it's going to be kind of hard you, you couldn't get him and say, we're going to go get one, because no way. He would never have gone for that. Nope, I'm not doing it. Nope, nope, nope. Right. So I said, we're going to have to get him one. Well, you can't really adopt for somebody else, which is good policy. Sure. You can understand why. Sure, and that, sure, that makes sure. perfect yeah. sense, especially around the holidays. Right. And you can certainly see why they do that. Yes, dogs are not presents. Yeah. Well, we, we I went down, we kind of had a common place back in Florida where I went to high school that we would meet for Thanksgiving. And Dad would go down and visit family, and I'd drive down from Jacksonville, and we'd spend Thanksgiving. And he kind of mentioned that, you know, my corgi that I'd had, PK, back in the day. Oh, yeah. And I was like, okay, okay, corgi, corgi, okay. So... Then I kind of started the hunt of, you know, kind of how can I find him someone? Well, the person, the couple that we'd gotten PK from had always, again, been into corgis, still on from that point. Okay. And I was just trying to find any way. So I thought, out of the blue, I'm going to call Kevin. It's another Kevin. And ask him if he knows, you know, any play, any connections that we can get uh, a corgi for dad. Right. And I call him up and... This is one of those times I could see God's hand at work. I call him up and tell him what we're doing. He says, well, we're actually looking for a home for our two-year-old. No kidding. And I'm like, not only that, they lived in Chattanooga, <clears throat> Tennessee, which is the meeting point where my family would meet me when we went to, to uh, Christmas because yeah. my roommate at the time, his family was in Nashville, mine was in Knoxville. So we would drive up from Florida, hit Chattanooga, and a family member of mine would meet us in Chattanooga, pick me up, take me on into Knoxville, Troy would head on to Nashville. <laughs> and then later, you know, he'd come back, swing back by and get me. Right. I'm like, not only have we found the animal, well-trained, yeah. ready to go. He was meant to be this In story. the city that we passed right through. Yeah. I said, again, there is yeah. greater forces at Just work right. here. Yes. No question <laughs> about right. it. Yeah. So we, we did. We went over there and, and, and got her and, and then took her on in. And this was, gosh, I guess two days before Christmas or something. No, it, it might have been Christmas Eve. No, 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 it probably wasn't Christmas Eve, but close to it. Um, so we get there, and I, I, I went in, went on in. I mean, literally, I just had the bags. Cause we, we told my sister, keep the dog on the porch. Right. So I went in, and I said, well, well, Dad, you can't, you can't wait for your Christmas present. You have to open it now. <laughs> and I'd wrapped a, a book about corgis. Okay. So he had something to open. So he opens this book, and he kind of looks at it and looks at me and kind of like that, why do I have this? And I said, you know, I kind of gave the signal. Here comes Dharma the corgi in on a leash with a bow wrapped around her. 
and first words out of his mouth were, oh no, I am not keeping that dog. There's no way. Uh-uh. And I said, well, it's a done deal. And he said, well, she's just going to have to go to the pound. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I'm, not, I'm you know, kind of going, yeah, that, I'm sure that's going to happen. Well, he's introducing, and then we, we call the neighbors over. I said, okay, get over here. We're, we're, we're trying to get something done here. Come over here and help this project out. So they came <laughs> over. Yes, we need assistance. And they're they like, oh, Jay, that's going to be wonderful companionship for you and, and all that and, and such. So they kind of gave us a little help, too. And then uh, I hadn't eaten. So my fam the rest of the family and I ran out and, and grabbed something to eat and left Dharma with Dad. Yeah. It's kind of like, we'll just leave them together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, See if they bond. Yeah. Well, I do remember when I got back, he said, all that dog did was stand at the door waiting for somebody to come back. And I'm like, well, you know, all right, whatever, you know. So we went on, and, and, and I remember waking up the next morning, and, you know, it's a, kind of a thing with older people. They call, they call friends and family around sure. Christmas time. Sure. You know, they make those call check-in calls. Yeah. And I could hear from upstairs Dad on the phone. And he was like saying, you'll never guess what Kevin showed up with. <laughs> and then it wasn't five minutes more in the conversation, I heard him say, she is a good little dog. And there I said, that's it. I said, this is <laughs> done. That's have, just have, what we have, needed to hear. We yeah. have sealed the deal. Yeah, yeah. And from that point on, yeah. she was dad's buddy. And he would, he would, you know, take her, he would take her down to Florida anytime he went. Yeah. You know, she had the that's routine great. of the mail truck would come and she'd run out and jump on the mail truck because the mail guy always had treats for her. And they just had a good time. But uh, at one point, not, not too many years later, uh, actually just probably about three years later, Dad had to go into memory care, okay. and Dharma came to live with me. Yeah, and uh, a year later, she just developed an illness and and <clears throat> had to be put down. But I do say that I look back on that and go, that was her purpose on this earth. Yep. was to be Dad's companion. I believe, and she I served her purpose well, yeah. and then went on. Yeah, that sounds like that. That relationship between your dad and the dog was was meant to happen. From how you describe that story, just all the pieces just fell into place at the right time, and I mean, just it could not have been orchestrated been. any better. Yes, uh, but you know, you do pick up on one of the tragic aspects of of pet ownership is the fact that uh, we do all on the whole tend to outlive our pets. Oh, Dear yeah. old pets, they're just not around for as long as we'd like them to be. Yeah, it's just it's just a just the way the world works, and you get so attached to pets, and boy, it's heart wrenching when you have to let them go, isn't it? Well, knowing knowing my daughter's uh, sensitive heart, this this Molly dog we have now better live to be about fifty. <laughs> I've told her that. I've told the dog. I said you've got to survive till about fifty. Yeah. So you know, they, she knows what she's supposed to yeah. do, but I can't yeah. promise that's going to happen or not. It still strikes me as remarkable how animals domesticated animals are on the whole prepared to live with us and tolerate us as a different species you know oh, i yeah. mean isn't it doesn't it strike you as strange that i mean i guess that's evolution at work for you but well, um, there was some time way way back when the the wolf will get close enough to the fire and go here's the deal if you'll share some of that mammoth with me yeah. <laughs> i won't eat you <laughs> and that's we'll, right. we'll kind of make this work and here we are. Yeah. Yes, that idea of, well, why am, you know, as the wolf would say, why am I doing all the hard work? Why don't you guys do all the hard work and just give me what's left over? Mm -hmm. I'll, stay, I'll stay with you. I'll stay with, I'll stay with you where the fire is. Yeah. yeah. And, and now, now we put jingle bell hats on them and throw them in front of the Christmas tree and 
take pictures. On the whole, I think dogs are incredibly tolerant of how ridiculous we are. Oh, very very much so. And cats do not have quite that proclivity. (laughs) Well, we just said that earlier on, didn't we? Cats, completely different personality, yes. Cats, you know, will put up with us to a degree, but dogs are infinitely more tolerant of us, I think. Yeah. I, yeah, again, I've loved having dogs in my life, and there's a great sense of companionship. And now, you know, as we always do when we tend to have a chat, Kevin, we always think back to our earlier days in childhood. And I used to have just tremendous fun with our dogs as a kid. And as I said, when I used to go camping as a kid in the woods in the manor, a couple of hundred acres, probably a hundred acres at least, at least a hundred acres of uh, oak forest and pine forest, and I would go camping in the summer. And the dogs would come and spend all day with me. Yeah, they'd sit there and we'd, you know, we'd play together and jump around and, you know, sleep in the sun together. But as soon as the sun started to go down and the temperature started to drop, they knew where they were going. And it wasn't wasn't in the tent to spend the night with me. They just trotted yeah. off straight home, sat down in front of the fire with exactly. mum and dad. Let's see. A, a, pup, a pup tent versus the nice warm hearth of the fire. I, I think we've made our decision. Yeah. But again, the next morning, you know, when, once uh, they'd had something to eat in the morning, they'd woken up and uh, the family had got going again. About nine o'clock in the morning, I could hear them ba-dum, 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 jumping up and, you know, up through the woods. Oh, yeah. And they'd come and spend the rest of the day with me again. Well, I mean, it's, it's amazing with Molly right now. Just Ruth will do something of, you know, just some mannerisms. And she knows it means, oh, we're going for a walk. Yeah. And she'll just, you know, get, a, get, a, get that sense of what's happening you know it may not be anything blatant like grabbing the leash or anything but it's just the way she's putting on her tennis shoes or something indicates oh it's time for a good neighborhood walk my mum's dog heidi where we started today's conversation dear old heidi used to bite through the through the letters when when it was time to go for a walk i mean she would just go crazy like most dogs do you know oh, it's walk it's walk time yeah. to go crazy um you know I'd go, we used to hang her leash near the door so I would say to her, for example, you know, Heidi, should we go for a walk? You know, she's jumping up and down and going bonkers and, you know, rushing towards the door. And I, so much so that I couldn't get the leash on her. Yeah, yeah, they just get, oh, oh, oh. Yeah, so if you just hold the leash and just sort of stand back and look at her with a stern look like, Heidi, we're not going out until you sit down and I can put this leash on. She would sit down and not move a muscle till that leash was attached. Yeah. And then she'd go crazy again. So. Yeah, I remember way back when I was uh, younger, back to Skippy. Skippy had a harness, so we do the, you know, the neck and he kind of go around his, you know, right, right, around right. his shoulders yeah. and attach. So he always knew he'd run up to this little recliner that was by the door and he'd, he'd pop his paws right up on that recliner so it gave you access to get the harness buckled on and back then you know you didn't have all the great snaps you have now you had to actually send it through like a belt loop and get the right thing you know definitely definitely not as easy as we have it these days the other thing i remember particularly about heidi was she i mean i'm sure this is not um not an unusual story to many dog owners but she just hated going to the vet hated it and uh we would walk with her to the vets and she she knew and i don't know how she knew this but she knew within a couple of blocks of getting there exactly where we were going oh yeah and she would pull back at the lead and not want to go any further Mm -hmm. and you know anything but to go towards the vets but when we did get to the vet and we finally coaxed to go through the door into the waiting room with all the other pets the cats and dogs and goldfish who were there that day i mean you wouldn't believe it was the same dog i mean she would sit there and not move a muscle oh. like she was you'd look at her and think well there's the perfect dog look at that <laughs> absolutely if i moving. sit here like a stone statue That's maybe right. they'll forget i'm here she would not move a muscle she looked absolutely perfect but boy getting to go to the vets just for a checkup and yeah and i can to totally understand that and i think that's you know the, the the story with most but i 
I think all of our dogs we've ever had have always been pretty pretty good easy with the going about the vet. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I can't think of one anyone that was really ever a big problem. So. I mean, I have to assume that um, you know we all hear about how very sensitive dog sense of smell is that I'm sure there are chemicals and smells in the vets that they just oh definitely we yeah. do not Once, want to be this is a place we do not want to be but uh, when they've got to go there you know to be taken care of they've got to be they've got to get in there but yeah boy oh boy Heidi Heidi knew almost instinctively that we were going to the vet before we started out and yeah she hated it well there we are Kevin look at that I think we we're almost out of time again aren't we? I think so I think we rolled right through and isn't it remarkable how quickly these chats I always love chatting with you Kevin with a great subject today to talk about pets I uh, yeah I love dogs and cats and um, now more than ever after this conversation I'll be thinking about oh, I should get in touch with a rescue uh, facility down in Charlotte and go and find a dog but I'm when a big the timing believer is right the timing is right yes I'm a big believer in that and I'm a big believer that dogs 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 are not presents and dogs for me I, I, I don't ever want to be given a dog as a gift I there is a time, you've said it, you've said it exactly. When the time is right to get the dog, you know when the time is right. Yep. Well, gentle listener, there we are, our time is up. Join us again for another episode of Matches in the Other Go. We better say goodbye, Kevin. We'll see you next time. Take care, bye-bye.